0: Welcome, good to see you tonight, and uh, good to have Ian with us. I asked him if he would uh, speak on heaven. I figure he knows more about it than most of us, amen? And so he was thrilled to do that, and we are so pleased to have uh, Ian with us and and uh, just uh, grow to love him more and more every time I'm with him. This is the second time I've been here at Influence, and hopefully it'll be, It'll be. be. he'll find it in his heart to come back again, all right? So Ian, let's put your hands together for Ian, would you? Good evening. Is that working? It is. One, two, three. If you have your Bibles, could you turn to Mark chapter six, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter six, and we'll begin reading in 33. If you don't have your Bible, it's fine. I'll read it for you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things, these things will be added to you. Do not be anxious Uh, for tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough care in itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the scriptures say, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What's fascinating was we go into John 18, verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might be delivered up uh, to the Jews, but not be delivered up, but that my kingdom is not of this realm. So we have a fascinating statement. Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom. Then he's turned around as he's about to literally go to the cross and saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay? So if we understand seeking first the kingdom... That kingdom is not this world. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would rescue me right now. The next thought is John 14, verse 2. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, there you may be also. How many got this concept? Now Jesus is going, this kingdom that I'm talking about is not here. You hear me? He said, I go and do what? I prepare a place for you. Then he said, I'm going to do what? I'm going to come back again, receive you to myself, and where I am, you will also be. When a man dies, and says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, if Jesus has gone to prepare a place, it would be really nice to know what he's prepared, isn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse nine, I think that's right. <laughs> let's see if I've done it right maybe that is not right. Have I got my Bible right? Yes, first Corinthians two verse nine,
1: just as written
0: these things which. The eye has not seen, and the ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So he's going that the things that I prepared for those who love me, the eye hasn't seen. The ear hasn't heard. But I have actually what? Gone and prepared a place for you. And we we go on and read, it says in Colossians chapter three, verse one and two. Just trying to lay a foundation and we can get at some question and answers. Colossians chapter 3. If then, verse 1, if then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. So here we have an amazing thing. Where is Jesus right now? He's in the heavenly places, isn't he? And what has he done. He's prepared a place for us. He said, don't fix your eyes upon what? Things of the world. It says, he who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It says, this world is passing away. So he's making sure that we don't fix our eyes upon this world. Because he's not of this world. I'm going to really hammer this one home because there's a bunch of teaching out talking about kingdom now reign here. So I'm going to try and blow that out of the water. Change the anyhow. I'm getting too old to care. Philippians chapter three, verse twenty and twenty-one. Let's actually read in verse nine, verse eighteen. For many walk of whom I have told you, and now tell you even weeping, that are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on what? Earthly things. Who do what? Set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. Oh, well, not earth. Where is our citizenship? Heaven. Heaven. From whom we eagerly wait for our for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. So we are finding that He said, "Where is my Where is the kingdom? Where is the citizenship? Where is Jesus dwelling in heaven?" You getting it? Some of you hopefully are getting it. if you set your minds upon the earth, actually you're an enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, but although our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man has been renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing... For us, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comp- comparison. While we look at the things, while we, it, uh, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. How many look right now? What do you see is temporal? Everything. It is going. The whole earth is going so why are we looking at that which is eternal because that is where we're going come on some of you at least get some idea about that let me know that we're living by faith on this earth so hebrews 11 and let's read from um, verse 13. For all these died in faith without receiving the promise, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those which say such things make it clear that they are not seeking a country of their own. For indeed, if they had been thinking of a country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, we desire a country that is a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Oh. That means nothing on this world is really your home. And if you're truly living in faith, you're looking for what? A city not made by man's hands, but made by God, which ain't here, it's not on this earth. Now, how many know that's an interesting mystery? Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's the mystery of salvation. So he comes into a body that's made by him. Now, the Jews made the temple and thought, right, okay, this is where God's going to habitate. But what did God say? You'll tear down that, and in the three days I was rising. He was talking about his body. He was talking about the kingdom of heaven within you. Not geographic. You. He came for you. He came to save people. He knows that this world is going to pass away. How do we know it's going to pass away? Because he said it. Where on earth did he say it? Second Peter chapter 3, in verse 3. Know this of all in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking after their own lust, saying, "Where is the promise of his coming?" Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was since the creation. For when the escape, they maintain this escape, escapes their notice that the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth, by his word, are being reserved for what? Fire kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men but do not let this one fact escape your notice beloved that with the lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day the lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but is patient towards you wishing that none would perish but all will come to repentance but the day of the lord will come like a thief what is the day of the lord the return of Jesus Christ. How many have, have, can't wait for that one? So the day of the Lord is the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, what is, what's going to happen? When Jesus Christ returns, let's read it. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away. Woo! which heavens? The old heavens. Will what? Pass away. With a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burnt up. What just got destroyed when Jesus returned? Heaven and earth. How many of that's an issue? He did what? Destroyed it. What did he do with Sodom and Gomorrah? Destroyed And He said, don't look back. Since all these things are going to be destroyed, in verse 11, in this way, what sort of people ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, an account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless regarding the patience of the Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you. So what are we doing? We have having Christ return as he comes back, heaven and earth. Whoosh. But why is God worried about that? He said, I make a new one. How many know you need become a Christian? All things have passed away. And you become a new one. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Doesn't make sense? How many know when you die, you lose your physical body? How many know you get a new one? Why would you want the old one? How many can't wait for the new one? The old one's starting to pack it in. Does Peter's revelation line up with any other scripture in the New Testament talking about the destruction and the removal of this world. Yep, Revelations chapter 21. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had what? Passed away. How did they get passed away? Consumed with fire. No longer any sea. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. How many know there's an old Jerusalem? Have you been there? How would you like to see the new one? He's gonna make it all new and he's gone and prepared a place for you. He might as well get it right this time. Coming down out of where? Heaven. Which heaven? If the old heaven's already gone, which heaven do you think the new Jerusalem's coming down from? The new one. Oh. (laughs) Made red as a bride adorned for a husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is amongst men. He shall dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Are you getting any of this? Why would God bother remodeling remodeling an old earth? What an absolute waste of time. He said the world, and all of it's full of lust, pride, and he who loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. Is there a Bible reference for that? Yes, there is. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world, for he who loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the boastful pride of um, lust of the eyes, is not from the Father but from the world. This world is passing away. You hearing the Greek word? The, it's what? It's passing away. It's going into destruct. It's what? Passing away. Thank God it's passing away. The one who does the will of the Father abides forever. So what we have is two theological arguments going right now through the body of Christ. It is a demarcation point to real, very, very important understanding. The last days will be false teachers, false prophets, and people will be thrown every which way but loose. If you have an end goal, how many of you would like to have an end goal? It would be really helpful then to figure out where we're going and what we're leaving. What's been left behind? Why would God use fire on this earth? What is fire? The holy manifest presence of God, isn't it? So the fire, Moses heard God speak out of a burning bush of, Fire. He said, take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. Remember that? Isaiah came up in Isaiah 6. Coals of fire were taken from from the throne of God. (laughs) I'm a man of unclean lips. And God said, you are now clean. God is a refining fire. God is a purifying fire. How did God destroy... um, The altar of Baal, Elijah prayed. Fire came from where? Heaven. The chariots of fire came from where? Heaven. What kind of throne does God sit upon? Daniel 7 A throne of fire. Beneath the throne is a river of fire. Jesus' eyes are a flame of fire. That means his eyes are the windows of his soul. That means Jesus' soul is on fire. Is that true? Therefore, fire speaks about who? God. On the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire appeared above who? The disciples' heads. Why would God create a lake of fire? Well, around his throne are stones of fire. Ezekiel 28 tells us there are stones of fire. Under his throne comes a river. How many know rivers run into lakes? How many know lakes are formed by rivers? So if there's a river of fire coming beneath the throne of God, right around the throne of God, there's a lake of fire too. Whose fire is it? Whose fire is it? Do a word study on fire and find out who's got the fire. My word is like fire, the prophet said, in my in my lips. What does fire give off? Light. Who is light? God is light, and in him there's no darkness. Why would Lucifer and his demons hate the lake of fire? It's God. What, what does the Bible tell me when Lucifer gets chucked into it? Revelations 20, verse 10, The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet. They were tormented by it day and night. Come on, get this in your brain. Lucifer is going where? And what's going to happen when he hits it? He's going to be tormented by it. It has to be the manifest presence of God. What else gets chucked into the lake of fire? Verse 13, death and Hades. Verse 14, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is called the second death, the lake of fire. Here we have hell, Hades, chucked into where? The lake of fire. Well, if hell was burning fire now, why would God throw hell into a lake of fire? For a swim? Well, if the demons, we have these pictures right through now the body of Christ. Demons, happy campers, loving the fire, bring roast the rotten Christians, welcome to the pit. Little Lucifer fire starters, put another one on the barbie tonight. We've got all this mentality that fire is actually Lucifer's and his demons. The Bible says it's a kingdom of darkness. The absence of what? God. And we know that Jesus hasn't returned yet. That means no one's been thrown into the lake of, has Jesus returned yet? No. When Christ returns there'll be a final judgment, won't they? Death and Hades will be cast into a lake of, along with Lucifer and his demons and the Antichrist, will thrown into a lake of fire. They will be tormented by it throughout eternity. I won't go into the other stuff. It's a little bit more controversial, so I'll leave it at that. So here we have fire, radiance, glory, and light. Coming from who? God. He's going to take this world out, which is full of filth, evil, depression, lust, anger, hatred, murder. And what's he going to do? Cleanse it with his holy presence. Realize the physicists know that if gravity is removed, the whole thing will implode into fire. If God removes his presence from this world, the whole thing will implode into fire. All he's got to do is remove his presence. Forget all your nukes and all the other stuff people talk about. All God has to do is remove his presence that holds the whole world together and literally it will consume. When Jesus walked through the wall, what kingdom was he coming from? To show Thomas. Touch my hands. His kingdom was more real than this. He was the true matrix. He said, I'm not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. We are sojourners. We're looking for a heavenly city. We are citizens of heaven. We're priests of the Most High God. Christ is seated in heavenly places. He's sitting in the new Jerusalem. He's sitting up in the new heavens. He has already created the new earth. John saw it 2,000 years ago. When was this written? 2,000 years ago. He said, I saw a new earth. Not one being created. I saw one. How long did it take for God to create this one? Genesis 1.1, God spoke and the worlds came into existence. He created what? How long did it take God to create the earth? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth earth was formless and void. So in the first day, God created it, didn't he? Named six days. He just said, "Heaven and earth come into existence." Then he saw the earth was void, so then he began to create on the earth the form. Is that right? He said God, "Let there be light." Said brother, "The light from darkness." Then he created sun, moon, and stars. He created what we call the existing heavens and the existing earth. How long did it take him? <laughs> How many long do you think is going to create a new heaven and a new earth? He spoke, spoken the world's come to existence. Do you realize that quantum physics has just discovered that there's a parallel universe living in time and space right now? And they've got a wormhole that goes between the two. Guess what? Jesus said there's a narrow way that leads to the kingdom of God. They know the world came to existence through a big bang, light. Well, guess what? God's spoken the whole world came to existence. Then they talk about black holes. The The whole universe is going into darkness, into a black hole. That's true. How many can't wait to have a look at the new heavens and new earth? How many can't wait to go where he's prepared? How many know if you're absent from the body and present with the Lord and you're on the new earth and you see the new Jerusalem coming down out of the new heavens, do you realize that God walked on this earth, didn't he? How would you like to have God bring his heavenly kingdom and city and not just walk and visit the earth, actually dwell on it, open the gates, the light of his glory will fill, and we'll see him face to face? How many know then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil ain't there? We've got the tree of life. We've got the fruit that we can eat, healing. We've we've got no sickness, no disease, no suffering, no pain. So you better be careful that your millennial reign of a thousand years isn't one day. Because if the day of the Lord is the return of Christ it says that heavens will open up like a scroll they'll suddenly see a whole new revelation of the kingdom. The real kingdom. This one will open up like a scroll when he returns. And what's going to happen to the world as he returns? That might take a lot of preaching, teaching and figure out I would anyhow I don't want to go down that pathway (laughs) does this help in a little bit when I died what did I see Jesus in his glorified resurrected heavenly form one like the Son of Man, Revelations to 18 says, but He was what? God. In His face was literally the universe. He had the former man, the face of God. Colossians say that when God spoke, the worlds came into existence. Jesus is God, exact representation of the invisible God. When you've seen the face of Jesus, you've seen the glory of the Father revealed in the face of Christ. So if you see Jesus' face as, this, as God... What do you think it might look like? It says the light was what? Brighter than the sun. I was like looking into a face that was going into eternity, within eternity, like galaxies and constellations inside a man's face. Can you imagine that? His face seven to ten times brighter than all the radiance and glory around him. His hair was white and radiant, just like we saw the Ancient of Days in Ezekiel, and sorry, in, in Daniel seven, sitting upon the throne. He is literally God from eternity. And here is Jesus, God from eternity, having taken on human form on earth, now standing in that human form, but his face is back to what he really was—God in the fullness of incarnate glory, radiance. He could speak in a split second, create galaxies and universe. Surrounded by what? Seven lampstands. Um, I'm sure John, the best he could think of was seven menorahs giving off. How I many know seven menorahs would give up a lot of light? So he was surrounded. The Holy Spirit say, the Bible says the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. So what I'd come into was the Shakina glory of what? The Holy Spirit glorifying Jesus. I had felt the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, and joy. But I stepped in because the Bible says we all have access into the Holy of Holies through the blood of the Lamb. So I stepped into what's called the Holy Place. In the midst of that, it healed my, the light was healing my broken heart because the Spirit of the Lord upon Jesus to heal broken hearts. And then when I saw him, I saw him with bare feet, white robes reaching down to his feet. Psalm 104.2 says, God clothes himself in garments of light. Garments of what? Light. Those who look to him shall be radiant. When Moses said, show me your face, God said, my form and glory you may see, but my face you're not permitted to see. When Moses came off the mountain, the impact of seeing the glory of God is that his entire countenance was shining with light. He was literally lit up. Wasn't he? When the, when the glory cloud came down on the Mount of Transfiguration, what did Jesus? His raiment turned white, and his countenance started to shine. When Stephen they were about to stone him to death, he looked up, and his face literally looked like an angel. He said, "I saw heaven open wide." So the manifest presence of looking at God's glory should begin to change you. That's why it says we're to be changed from glory to glory on the inner man. The outer man's decaying, but the inner man's being renewed by the glory of God. Now, how many know that when Jesus was on earth, we saw him as the Son of Man? Most Christians fix their eyes upon an historical Jesus in the Gospels, doing the work of the kingdom. Excuse me? Healing. But he said, what? I may heal you. I may do miracles. But guess what? The greatest miracle is that you will follow me. You can have people with major miracles. Guess what? They still won't follow Christ. How many lepers were healed, and how many followed Jesus? How many even came back and thanked them? Many many people come for their miracle. They come for the healing. It doesn't mean they're going to follow Jesus. If you think sign, wonders, and miracles are going to help people follow Jesus, they will be a demonstration of the kingdom which have got no sickness, no disease. But guess what? You will still die. No matter how many miracles and how many healings you get, you will still die. So blind can open, deaf ears, dead can raise. But if their hearts not changed and fall in love with Christ, they will no longer really be following Him. They came for their miracle, they got it, and they walked away. Many people come to Jesus to get what they need, but don't follow Him. Jesus still healed them. So signs, wonders, and miracles will not keep a person following Christ because unless their heart's changed, they will not get it. That's why Jesus said you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Repent from your sins and you shall be saved. You must be born again in the inner man so that this kingdom that is not of this world will come into you. Christ in you. But you're only walking on a temporal basis looking for a heavenly home. So you're knowing that this world's going. So guess what? We're going to the right place that's been prepared for us. How many know that I'm trashing a lot of teaching? How many when you get older you don't care? Because if I saw a new heaven and a new earth which John saw 2,000 years ago, That means it's already there. If you think this earth's going to be remodeled, you understand, which is the teaching through their thousand-year millennial reign that eventually this earth's going to be remodeled and restored back to the Garden of Eden, well, that's another whole deal. Then you're looking at ruling on this world, aren't you? And you can't theologically understand how the earth is going to be destroyed. You're going to say the fire is going to, what, restore it. Well, it's in a moment, in a day. God judged it, and the whole thing, what, melted and destroyed, literally disappeared. Heavens and earth went with fire. Anyhow. Any questions at this point? I've already been talking too long. Go ahead, sir. Sorry? Yep. Talks about Lucifer. What does Lucifer rule? He rules the kingdom of darkness. Okay, We do not fight against flesh and blood, we fight against principalities and powers. Is that right? That means demons or fallen angels have no physical form. That, would that make sense? If we are fighting against not flesh and blood but principalities and powers of darkness and evil, that means demons do not have physical form. Would that meet logical? Why would they not have physical form? Let's turn, if you've got a Bible, Ezekiel 28. This is another whole kick in the guts to Nephilim teaching. Verse 12, you were a seal of perfection. Verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was covering you, ruby, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper. Let's move down. On the day that you were created, you're an anointed cherub who covers. I placed you there on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Who's he talking about? Lucifer. You walked what? In the midst of the stones of fire. Where? In the throne room of God. You had special precious stones all over your back. You were anointed. I placed you in a holy mountain. You were blameless. Until the day, from the day you were created, until unrighteousness was found in you, by the abundance of your tribe, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. I have cast you profane from the mountain of God. I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. How did Lucifer get lifted up? Because of his beauty. Isaiah said, he, I'm going to lift my throne above the most high God. And then it goes on and says, You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendour. So the beauty and splendor of his angelic body corrupted him. How many know vain? How many how many know people can be very vain with their beauty? We're talking there was a song, wasn't it? You're so vain. Remember that one? There's a fair few of them out there. How many know Lucifer loves to grab hold of the people that are very beautiful on this planet? Because remember, he once looked like that. You don't think witches and warlocks are ugly. Mate, they are beautiful people. They go for beauty. The demons try and enter into them. Why would they? Because of your iniquity and unrighteousness, you've profaned your sanctuary. Therefore God said, I have brought fire from the midst of you, and what has it done? Consumed you. I've turned you to ashes. Cast you to earth. What did God do to Lucifer? He just shoved fire into the midst of his angelic body that he had trusted in, his beauty and splendor, and it went. Phew! And how many? That just was told us in the Bible. That's what I just read, isn't it? Well, yeah, a third of the angels fell. Okay. A third of the angels fell with them, Revelation 12. What did God do to the other angels? Fire. So that's why none of the angels have flesh and blood. How many know that angels that haven't fallen, two-thirds of them, have flesh and blood? We can entertain them. Isn't that Peter's angel knocking on the door? We entertain angels unannounced. How many know that angels look like human beings? Are you for the Lord? Joshua said, I am the captain, of the Lord of hosts. Gabriel? Came and talked to who? Mary. Michael came to who? Daniel. So two-thirds still have a little lower. We're made a little lower than angels, aren't we? The Bible talks about it. So demons have done what? They have fallen angels who once had angelic beautiful bodies have now been consumed with fire and cast to earth. How many know you can't see demons in the natural? You cannot see them. but you can in the spirit. So who was talking to Eve in the Garden of Eden? Remember there was a Garden of Eden in heaven, now there's a Garden of Eden created on earth. And he's created man in his own image, and they're walking there, and they hear someone in the garden. What did Eve see when she turned around? No, she didn't. She saw an angel, darkened form, no physical form because they hadn't fallen yet so they could see just like God and eyes no longer but like serpent because they had named the animals so they knew what a snake was had serpent eyes dark and shadow spiritual form with serpent eyes you get this and saw something that looked like a created supernatural being. said, you could be like God, or <laughs> well, who you already are. If Lucifer was a serpent, then every serpent must be a demon. Snake. It was the form of the understanding of the eyes. Have you ever seen an, a, a serpent... You will see the eyes. When I died and I came back into my body, it's in my book. I was back in my body and I felt something terrifying me. I rolled my head over and looked into the window and saw seven spiritual beings. I thought they were humans to start with. They were dark, shadow form, the same size as a human. When I looked into their eyes, they were slit like a serpent. And they then spoke to me and said, You are ours and we are coming home. Now, I'd never read a Bible. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it finds six or seven worse and try and come back in. Hmm, so did I, I'd never read a Bible. I read the Bible after I died and seen, seen it. And I've seen demons looking at me saying, I'm seeing demons out of their spiritual body in the same form as a human, but instead of pupils, they're slit like an animal. So I'm now seeing something that I cannot relate to. I've got no reference for this. I've felt evil, but never seen them. I've felt demonic presences, never seen them. I'm now seeing them with my naked, open eye, just like Eve would have seen. I've just come from the throne room. I've just seen the glory of God. I've had my eyes opened. Scars have fallen from my eyes. I'm now seen in the spirit realm seven demons, and I'm thinking, were you and me? Bible well, says, "Greater is He within me than He's within the world." If I had turned back to sin and darkness, they would have come back in. If you ever seen a backslidden Christian? They are seven times worse than what they were. Now I'd seen those red eyes hit guys in bar fights when skinny little runts suddenly would go red in their eyes, pick up bouncers, and throw them around the room in a bar fight. And that was not kung fu or some martial art these little skinny little runts had got involved in. They had demonic power. We've got a boxer, I'm sure he's met a few of them in his day. Some of them used to tattoo swallows in the side of their hand here, and they'd fight anyone who came into the bar. Trouble is, these boys weren't just fighting the natural power, they're fighting with demonic presences inside them. You can go into Asia and they'll take swords, try and cut their back and won't cut them, razor-sharp swords. They'll put meat hooks, they will walk on hot rocks. These demons, when they come in, they'll give them some kind of power, right? They'll levitate off the ground. These spirits have a limited amount of power. They can move a few obstacles, a few jars. They might move a few little things and Ouija boards. They might be able to move a few glasses and stuff. But these demons have limited power. What they're looking for is a human body to come into so that they can actually exercise what they once had. They have no power in themselves other than to terrify, to deceive, and to lie and corrupt and whisper and speak just like they did to Eve. The Bible says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So what it says? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Does it make any sense to you, any of this? But we're on heaven, I don't want to get too much on this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no. Okay. Now what happened is that these demons try to come in. I turned the light on, terrified. God said, pray the Lord's Prayer. He burnt the me into my mind. Most people forget. I re the last 24 hours. He said, the Lord's Prayer saved your life. He said, now pray it. I said, I can't remember it. Next minute, words come up, deliver us from evil. mean have heard that one? <laughs> Thank God for the Lord's Prayer. So I said, God, deliver me from the evil... Prayed the Lord's Prayer. God said, now turn the lights out and go to sleep. I said, well, that's easy for you to say. You're up there and I'm down here. I've got a pack of demons outside my window trying to enter me. So I thought, I know men who will not sleep without the light being on all night. The boogeyman's outside. Huh. So I thought, if I don't close my eyes and turn the light out, I'm going to be terrified all my life and have to sleep with the lights on because I'll be scared of the dark. So I turned the light off and out and sat there with my flashlight, which is my diving flashlight to see if the demons would come back. Guess what? The power of the Lord's Prayer worked. I went to sleep. Next day, woke up, went around, went to sleep. In the middle of the night, woke up. The demons had walked through the wall, were standing right next to my bed trying to enter me. How'd you like to have that day two on planet Earth? They can't enter me. Why? Because greater is he within me than he's within the world. I have to give them access for them to enter me. So I turn my flashlight, they seem to disappear, but I know they haven't disappeared, but I know they hate light. I pray, gone. Next night, girl knocking on the window, a young Creole girl. Now, how many heard your sin finds you out? Anyone heard about your sin finds you out? Well, I tried to sleep with this young girl. I'd moved so far and I was about to basically have my conquer the whole deal here. And this girl's now knocking on the door saying, I want to come and see you. And I'm thinking, the last thing I want is having sex with some girl. I'm trying to see God. I've got demons else. No, go away. She said, Ian, I've got to talk to you. Please come to the door. I go to the door, open it, and as I look up, her eyes have got the demon, one of them, inside her eyes. These people are involved in voodoo. When you get involved in witchcraft and voodoo and witch- all kinds of stuff. These things come in. There's no such thing as white witches and black witches. They're all just witches. So here there's a demon who come in. I try to shut the door. Now I am ten times more powerful than this young girl i can't move it she's got a finger lightly holding the door i can't shut it and her voice changes from a woman to a man now i've seen that with mediums and clairvoyance where they would have i'm going to talk to the crossover and talk to your dead relative and out of a woman's mouth would come a man's voice i got a man's voice coming out of this woman saying you're coming with us tonight and i'm thinking us where the heck is us? So I see you, dear. Then I could hear out of the crack of the door, someone creeping along the side of the house. Now, in this part of the world, you touch the local girls, you marry them, or you're dead. But when you're in sin, you can get away with murder. Now, when you suddenly come into the light, you're in trouble, or you better not have a foothold. So though I could hear someone creeping along the side of the house. I said, God, he said, if you go outside, you, if, you, if you, you'll be dragged outside and stoned to death, you'll be killed. I said, God, help. Next minute, my right hand lifted up, and I went, in Jesus' name. An invisible fist hit her chest, picked her up, and threw her 10 to 15 feet through the air onto the ground. I'm thinking, what was that? Jesus' name was a curse word. What the heck is the name of Jesus hitting this girl like an invisible power, chucking her out, and throwing her across the, uh, onto the rock? As she hit the ground, her body then recalled like a snake. I could see in her eye the demon, said, I'll kill you. And the body launched off the ground through the air towards me, because I've seen snakes throw themselves. So that demon inside her was throwing her physical body through the air towards the door. How many hate horror movies? I hate, hate, hate horror movies. This is worse than Freddy on Elm Street. I got this woman catapulting across the air. That's why they called a serpent. <laughs> I am now slamming the steel door shut, locking it, and stepping back, terrified. Absolutely terrified. Next night I wake up, she's knocking on the window, and I'm thinking, rack off, lady. You know, <laughs> take a hike Mike, you ain't coming in. Next minute I look and see a big arm of a man coming in, because in this country they have steel like it's almost like a prison they have steel bars and then plate glass for the hurricanes that come through but steel to stop people getting in there it's like you're in a prison a bit like south africa you know they lock themselves in so here i am i'm thinking well that ain't going to happen then i see a man's arm open the window and well they can't come through it's a steel bar that must be the us so i'm just pretending i'm not uh, uh, forget it she's then picking up rocks and throwing rocks through the window I've got a mosquito net. It's hitting them and it's taking the impact out. And then it went quiet. I thought, "What the heck has it gone quiet? Maybe they've all gone home." I roll over to see a spear coming halfway across the win- through the through the um, room, being shoved through the window. And it's about to stick me through the side and kill me. You understand? If you do not turn back to darkness, you're going to have something called spiritual warfare. It's like welcome to it. Now these. This guy is, I'm, I'm lying there going, God, I'm frozen with fear. God said, best form of a defense is attack. I said, what with? He said, your flashlight. Well I thought, the, the demon seemed to hate the light, so I turned the flashlight on. Here, in the me, there were three men and the girl, all of them red demons, in their eyes, fully op- opened. When my light went into their face, I went, ah! like this. You ever seen a dog cower back when someone picks up a stone? Dog's about to try and attack you. You pick up a stone and you'll threaten it. It'll cow back. Well, I raced towards this window, ripped the spear out of the guy's hand, and with my flashlight shone it upon them, and like dogs, they went back across across the field. Do you think I might have a little bit of an idea of demons? Fallen angels demons do not have physical form. In fact, if you think angels can produce baby angels, the Bible says when we die and go to heaven, we'll be like angels. There'll be no marriage. So therefore, we have the understanding, no understanding of the scripture of female angels. We have male angels, Michael, Gabriel. We don't have an understanding of baby angels. Otherwise, angels could have sex with each other. The Bible says they reproduce after themselves. So therefore, it would be impossible for angels to have sex with man and create something else. Just a thought. And if they've got no physical form, how could they? But they can try and feel like you've had sex with them. That's a whole different deal. That's a different deal. That happens. But they do not have physical form. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Sin came into the garden through Adam and Eve can't make genesis 6 sin coming in a second time through woman having sex with watcher angels and having dna that's corrupted and having nephilim amongst you i mean that teaching is so out in cuckoo land i have lost count of how many people believe in this but in the last days we will have false teaching false prophecy false whatever and it'll deceive people and even the elect will get completely confused it's cuckoo land So you can take your Nephilim teaching, which you're listening to on all the different stuff, and chuck it where it came back from, the pit of hell. Two-thirds. I think what God sometimes does, he brings visions of children, of people who have lost young loved ones. So God can bring vision. They're not actually angels, but there's a vision, open vision. They see a child they see something in the spirit realm which gives them the knowledge that that child made it we don't see little cupids floating around which which give us this mentality i grew up with all this stuff how many grown up with catholic or high high church type stuff and you got all these pictures and imagery and it's really hard to get that out of your head (laughs) any other questions Me. I did too. Sin for a season has, a, has pleasure. When you become absolutely lonely and broken and, and disheartened and, and everything else is messed up, you take whatever pleasure you can. You take whatever comfort you can. You take false comfort. You take whatever you can. You, you, you get out of it by taking dope to try and get out of the pain. You get drunk to drown your sorrows. You have sex as a false comfort. All of this stuff is basically trying to replace the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the love, the adoption. We are orphaned-hearted, we are alienated, we are actually mucked up. This is why the Father heart of God is so good. That's why the Spirit of God comes to adopt us, to reunite us back to have a father. But we lie in an evil world This passing away. So that seven mountain teaching is another load of rubbish because it's talking about geographically trying to take this world and this world's going to be restored back to perfect new heaven and new earth. So you can take your seven mountain teaching and throw that in the pit of hell along with the Nephilim stuff. You don't have to agree with anything I say. You've got free will to choose as you like. My Bible tells me the last days have not taken place. Matthew 24 has not been fulfilled. It's coming. All hell's going to break loose on this earth. Matthew 24, on the last days. Oh gosh, some of you better read your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't go, don't just go relying upon everyone else. Matthew 24, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ who will mislead many. You'll hear war, you'll be hearing of wars, rumors of wars, see that you're not frightened by any of these things. They must take place, but it's not yet the end. Every for nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Various places will be famines and earthquakes. These are just the mere birth pangs. <laughs> then they'll deliver you up for tribulation. They'll kill you. What are you going to be delivered up for? This is Christians. To what? Tribulation. God, Jesus said, don't worry. You're going to have tribulation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, tribulation, famine, sword. Guess what happened to all the disciples and the early apostles? They got slaughtered. Were they worried? They tried to burn them, they were laughing, they were worshiping God. (laughs) The fire couldn't even burn them. Why would you be worried if you're going to get butchered and slaughtered? You just they, they thought it was an actual privilege. Peter said, I'm not going to be crucified like Jesus. Do it upside down. Do you have any clue of what's coming? But how, if you're not looking at this world and you aren't of this world, guess what? You're not worried by it. People who get freaked out about it are more worried about their flesh. They'll deliver you up for tribulation. They'll kill you. That doesn't sound like you got raptured out of anywhere. You'll be hated by all nations to the count of my name that time, many of you will fall away and betray each other and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Lawlessness will increase. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the end and be a witness. Then the end shall come. If all hell is going to break loose, says so if God didn't cut the days of the tribulation short, even the elect would turn away. Also talks about it's going to be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. What do you think the days of Noah look like? Forget the whacked out Nephilim teaching. Let's just get down to what the days of Noah actually look like. Full of anger, violence, and every man did what he wanted to do in his own heart. Violence filled the earth. There was mayhem. God regretted he made earth and flooded it. If he flooded it, got rid of them, how the heck did the Nephilim turn up again? Anyhow, half human. I don't want to go there. So let's have another look at it. So here, God floods it. Let's have a look at the days of Lot. What did the days of Lot look like? Homosexuality, bestiality, Sodom and Gomorrah, every de- per- perverted, sick. They try to rape angels that walked in there, and they look like humans, so they try to have sex with angels. Lot was so messed up, he was willing to give his virgin daughter to, one of the, to these guys instead of him raping the angels. We're talking sad, sick, whacked out, and that was the norm. How many got saved in the days of Noah? Eight. The whole world was judged, and how many got saved? Eight. Does that sound like a lot of people? How many got saved in the days of Lot? Lot, Lot's wife, and the two daughters. Did the son-in-law's make it? No. He wanted them to do it, but they didn't. Remember that? The son-in-law's didn't make it. So how many made it? Four. Who turned back? wife how many made it three and as soon as they made it the girls got the father drunk and basically had sex and out of that came the first first understanding of incest and we have moabites and amorites birthed out of incest that's the root of the moabites Why do you think god talked about destroying them incest had become the norm within those family roots generational sin There's no way of being delivered like we have in the New Testament, so there was just going to be homosexuality, bestiality, and all kinds of perversion coming through these generational lines. So how many do you think three out of an entire city looks? Eight out of an entire planet looks. How many know that doesn't look like mass revival? How many of that looks like a remnant? And a remnant shall be saved. How many know that most of the bride of Christ is already h- in heaven? Come on, get your brain around it. How many know that most of the bride of Christ is already in heaven? How many know we are the last of the bottom of the barrel of the filth of the dregs of humanity? The scum on the bottom of the sickest of the most vile, perverted, messed up, evil. He even says have fear with trembling, trying to snatch them from the fire in these last days. And be careful, having preached yourself, you don't get pulled into it, just like Lot, or just like, you've got to be so careful. I mean, no, that might change your theology on end times. It's going to get worse. Well, we've got the Dominion Theology boys going off and saying it's all going to get better. Well, that's fascinating. The entire world's preparing for hunger are talking hunger games, bear grill, survivor, and basically apocalyptic now. But fascinating the Christians are going off on the tangent, going, no, it's gonna get better. We're gonna take Hollywood, we're gonna take the finances, we're gonna take the government, we're gonna take the health, we're gonna take we're gonna take entertainment, we're gonna take what planet are you on? It's not the same planet I'm on. I'd have to be dumb and dumber to believe that. Can anyone wake up and see what's going on? We are going into an apocalyptic freefall. The Bible tells me it's going to happen. That's right. So they're going to come in and deceive. False teaching, false prophets. God even sent a spirit of deception amongst the prophets to actually humble them. I hope they get humbled soon. They're supposed to work with the fivefold. They're supposed to work with, with apostles and prophets and teachers to make sure they don't get into error. But the danger is when you get uniformity and you get prophets all hanging out together, you don't have the fivefold. You have uniformity. And you certainly wouldn't want to be a school, the school of um, Elijah or the, uh, the Elijah, Elijah school because Elijah ran from Jezebel and lost his mantle. And actually, what happened to him? He called fire down, but he lost it. Who got the double mantle and got the double anointing? You'd want to be Elijah who fulfilled the destiny to take out Jezebel. Who'd want to be on an Elijah list when you'd want to be on an Elijah list? Perhaps you should read the Bible. Gosh, there's some dumb people around. So where are we going? How many know that's why I can't wait to get out of here? What can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. Kingdom of heaven is within me. Seek first his kingdom, not of this world. Where do you think Jesus sits? In heavenly places. Would that be true? He sits where? He sits at the right hand of God, the Father. What do you think heaven looks like? What do you think it looks like? Clouds. We've got a new earth, a new heaven, and a new Jerusalem. When I looked, what did I see? Fields, flowers, trees, crystal clear river. What did John see? I saw a new earth. I saw a river of life crystal clear coming from the throne of God. I saw the tree of life. What did John see? He saw the new earth. What did he see above it? New heaven. Where did John also get taken into? He saw another door open and he went where? To heaven. He saw the bride. He saw what? He saw the new Jerusalem, the throne, streets of gold, city of heaven. So in the heavenly realm are what? The new earth, the new heaven, and the new Jerusalem. Was John the Apostle dead when he saw all this? No. No, he didn't have a vision. He was caught up in the Spirit. It's called a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in his body or out of his body, was caught up where? Into the third heaven. The same Greek word used for caught up is used for 1 Thessalonians 5.19, rapture. If we run out of time? Oh. Yeah, you need to take a break and go to the bathroom? I don't mind. I'm, I won't take five. Let me just finish this one thought off and then we'll finish. The Bible talks about the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third. First heaven, what you see, natural. Second heaven is where people use mesculine, peyote cactus, acid, magic mushrooms, daytura, and trip out into the second heaven. Third eye, they see in the spiritual realm between heaven and earth the area of angelic and demonic. So a lot of the hippies went into the second heaven. A lot of New Ages go into the second heaven. A lot of the astral travel in the, in the second heaven. They channel in the second heaven. They move their spirit out of their body, and they don't do it through the eyes of the heart, which Paul said. They use the eye of the mind, the third eye, and that's why they have a dot, the Hindus have it. And they project their spirit through meditation, through advanced yoga. So all yoga is actually worship to Hindu gods. You move further down into yoga, you go into you go into astral travel. That's why you have to can't use your body in any form of yoga because that is actually worshipping all the Hindu deities. And they'll move you. The yogis will move you down into astral travel. How many have done that? Come on, someone can look like you have. Out in the third eye, they call it meditation. They project their spirit out. There are many Christians who think that they are translating into the spirit. I believe are astral projecting. Let me just finish and we can have a break. So, then the third heaven is what? The area where only can be accessed how? Through the blood of Jesus. You can only access the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus. So, Paul said, oh, No man in Christ, two 30, 14 years ago, whether in his body out, was caught up. Now, Paul says, when you come to church, bring a psalm, a hymn, a revelation. So, John had 22 chapters of what? Being caught up into where? The other disciples, he said, you will you will die, but you will not die until you taste of the kingdom of heaven. Where is the kingdom? Not here. Where did John go? He went to it. <laughs> when I died, I went there. I came back into my body as a Christian. I then began to read the Bible. Next minute, I had the presence of God's glory coming down which I'd heard from the Pentecostals where the get away the spout where the glory comes out how many heard that and the anointing I was getting baptized in the spirit speaking in tongues seeing miracles and healings on this earth like Christ had next minute he was taking me up into the third heaven and I was going up into the fields going up into the new Jerusalem he was giving me walks right around the waterfalls the the throne room and I'm going what on earth is this and I had Christians saying, oh, you're astral projecting. He said, no, 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 no. I did that before I was saved. This is, this is heaven. And then I'd go and said, read Revelation. They were all they were talking about was 666, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist. The only person I ever heard preaching out of this was someone trying to talk about the mark of the beast. But this is not a, this is not a revelation of the Antichrist. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Then I realized what John saw was what I saw. Jesus is the entry point to the kingdom of heaven. He's the door. No one can come in but through him. So I was beginning to realize that what I saw was the entry point into the throne room, into the presence of God. Seek what? His kingdom. If you're going to be changed from glory to glory, where is it? It's not in this world. So I then was, and I can go on to this after the break, and I can share more and more detail on theologically why, biblically why, and then how do we access, how would you like to go to the new heavens and new earth now before you die? Do you think that might help your Christian life somewhat? You're not sure, are you? No, you don't, have to die to, you, don't, you don't have to die to do it. The Bible says, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. What is the access point to the throne room? Christ. Do not look at the natural. Do not look at the temporal. I look at the eternal. If I'm going to see the glory of God, which is what John saw, then we have access to it. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not going to some, some holy place. That holy place is not on this world. Bible says we can easily be ensnared in sin. Christians, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Isn't that what it says? Because you can easily be ensnared in it. He warns Timothy. He says some have have gone away from a clean, a pure heart and a clean conscience and have been shipwrecked in regard to their faith. Who is he talking to? Christians. Christians who have not long, no longer. But Old Testament. David said, "Created me a clean heart." Well, that doesn't just. Translate to the Old Testament. and the New Testament. The pure in heart will see God. I mean, you must continue to maintain close accounts, short accounts with the Lord in the area of sin. How many know Christians sin? Some of you don't think you're sinning. Then you've got so seared you haven't got a clue what's going on. If you say you know have no sin, you deceive yourself. My Bible tells me in the New Testament. and The truth's not in you. I'm not sin conscious, but I know the only way I can access the throne room is through repentance in the blood of Jesus. It's not to rub my nose in it and condemn me. It's to help set me free so there's no darkness and evil way in me. Conviction of sin is not condemnation. Conviction of sin is that he wants you to be pure and holy, to enter a pure and holy presence called God. High priests had to prepare themselves continually before they went into the Holy of Holies. They're struck dead by a holy God. We have access into the throne room by the blood of the Lamb. Ezekiel at 1, 1, open heaven. Right through Ezekiel chapter 1, we, he sees the glory. He sees the wheels within wheels. He sees the fire. He sees the rainbow. He sees the manifest presence of God. This is Old Testament. I had open heaven, he said. I had open heaven. Then he sees in Ezekiel 8, he's caught up between heaven and earth. In Ezekiel 11, he's, the Spirit lifts him up. He sees the whole earth in Ezekiel 43 with the glory of God filling the inner court. Daniel sees God in his glory, the Ancient of Days, and Jesus presented to him on a cloud. Zechariah said, I saw literally God, when the fire of God was a multitude, people that you couldn't count. So God is an all-consuming fire. It was a church without wars, a manifest presence of God. New Testament, we have John chapter 1, verse 47 to 51 Nathaniel, remember Nathaniel? How many have even heard of Nathaniel? Okay, let's have a look at it. John chapter 1. Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethesda. Let me just put my glasses on. And in verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him whom Moses, the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to um, philip can anything good come out of nazareth and philip said come come and see jesus saw nathaniel coming to him and said behold an israelite in whom there's no guile Nathanael said to jesus how do you know me jesus answered and said to him before philip called you when you're under the fig tree i saw you Nathanael answered jesus rabbi you are the son of god who was the first person that told jesus he was the son of god What I just read? Who just said that Jesus is the Son of God? Nathaniel. Let me know. This is a heck of a long way before Peter got anywhere near him. You're really reading this it's in the Bible. Who said Jesus is the Son of God? Nathaniel. Who the heck he? It's in the story. Let's read. Yeah, but Peter said that a whole lot later, so don't think Peter's the cold key to the whole deal. He's just another one of the disciples. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And Jesus said to Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descend upon the Son of Man. That's the same thing that happened for Jacob heaven open, the angels of the Lord descending and ascending. He's got a Bethel, he's got an open heaven. How did Nathaniel get an open heaven? By believing that Jesus was what? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Should you have an open heaven? What was the first tree that Jesus cursed? Why did he curse the fig tree? What was used in the garden to cover man's nakedness? Who was going to cover man's nakedness? Jesus. Why did he curse the fig tree? You're no longer going to use a fig tree to cover your nakedness, son. Son of God's going to cover your nakedness and your sin and you're going to find shelter in the Most High God and you're going to have open heaven and you're going to have the angels of the Lord ascending and descending. Acts 6, Stephen, verse 15, before the council. They looked upon him and it said his face looked like an angel. If you're looking at open heaven and the glory of God, how many know something should change? If you're looking at heaven, what's heaven full of angels and glory and radiance and splendor, how many know you should start looking a little bit like what you're looking at? If you're looking at demons and chasing them, guess what you're going to end up looking like? I've seen boys get so caught into demon chasing and demon this and demon that, the demon under every little chair, they get so caught up in it, they get so demonized themselves, they actually lost the plot. Bible says don't fix your eyes upon the kingdom of darkness or demons or spiritual warfare. Fix your eyes upon who? And the kingdom of? Acts 7 verse 55 to 60. We might as well turn to that. I love this. Acts chapter 6. And we have... Is it Acts 7? I'm half asleep here. I'm so tired. Acts 7, 55 to 60. And being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen intently looked into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. And he said, Behold, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand. Do you believe that the New Testament Christians were having a normal open heaven? Their normal experience was open heaven. Now, the moment you speak that, what happens? Religious ones around him covered their ears, rushed upon him, drove him out, stoned him to death. So, the moment you start having open heaven, all every religious demon under the sun is going to kick off. You can't say that. You can't see this. Well, they were—they having open heaven. And then what happens? Stone him to death. Saul standing there, going, "Yes, take that boy out." And then, in, of course, Acts nine, on the road to Damascus, in verse three, a light from heaven flashes and blinds him by the light. What light is he seen? Now, we understand Saul was not there at the cross. He wasn't there as a disciple. He hadn't followed Jesus and seen him as the Son of Man doing miracles. He hadn't seen him at the cross dying. He hadn't seen the stone rolled away. What kind of Jesus was was Paul actually encountering? The risen, glorified Savior. He was blinded by the light of the glory of God. So when he boasts upon the cross, the cross that he's boasting is, is not one with Jesus still on it. It's empty. He said, my conversion did not come through the teaching of man, but by a revelation of the Son of God. Remember that? He says that. The revelation was an open heaven, a glorified Savior, who blinded him by the light. And the Bible tells us, he said, when you come, have revelation. He was actually having personal, open heaven revelation. His entire understanding of Christianity wasn't a dead saviour. It wasn't a historic one. It was a risen, glorified one. When Jesus prayed, what did Jesus pray to, and who did he pray to? He prayed to the Father. How did Jesus pray? He used to go away, didn't he? Theologians say that, of course, he went away and did what? Onto a mount of... He one day brought three disciples to check him out how he prayed. Theologians then try and make it into a one-off experience to try and explain the law of the prophets and the law of blah, blah, blah. What it was he actually doing was Jesus was praying, and what ended happened? The Father and the heavens and the kingdom of earth all meshed together, and he's now seen and talking to and encountering, and Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only speak which I hear the Father speak. Jesus told me this wasn't one off experience. This is my normal prayer time. So when I got saved, my normal prayer time was this open heaven, seeing the Lord, getting caught up, meeting Him, understanding Him, hearing from Him, and learning from Him. And then someone said, You've got to have a quiet time. I thought, What's that? They said, well, you've got to read the Bible and pray and then prayer lists and the whole deal. Well, I started falling asleep in those ones. <laughs> How many fallen asleep in your quiet time? So quiet, <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. And God said, chuck that one away and meet with me like you used to. Most prayer I hear from Christians is you talking to him. with your prayer lists and all the other stuff you're doing, 90% of it is me talking. You know what it really should be? You listening. You seeing. You watching. You encountering. You learning. That'll change your prayer time. And if you're fixing your eyes upon the kingdom of heaven that's been prepared for you and you have opened heaven, how many know that might got rid of your whole mentality of what you're doing in your prayer time? In fact, you can do nothing apart from Him. So the best thing you should do is wait upon Him to renew you and fill you, infuse you, empower you. Because you can be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You get baptized in water once, but you can be continually filled with the Spirit. So therefore, your entire vessel should be continually waiting upon Him to be filled. I come into meetings and sometimes I'm so busy that I'll literally just stand there in the worship time and allow the presence of God to fill my vessel up. And within about two or three minutes, I'm completely filled up. As I'm standing there, I've got an open heaven, and I can literally get an entire download on what to actually be doing. The other night, when I was talking, the other morning, I had a whole message I was going to talk about, and then I knelt down on my knees, and we talk, we sung the cross when John and the team were doing the cross. God I I said, Get on your knees. So I knelt down. As I did, He did a whole download on the marriage. He said, You talk on this. And then I said, What? He said, They've just passed the Supreme Court yesterday. I want you to speak on the marriage so you can chuck all of the teaching and notes you're going to do, and you're doing this right now. So I was stumbling around trying to grab it, grab it again. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing who? The Lord. Lord speak. This is not just naming and claiming and trying to memorize the Bible. The Word of God becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. This is to come into you and it's supposed to be the bread of life. You can read this until you're blue in the face. You can memorize it and have no faith at all. Pharisees were so full of the Word, but they didn't know Him. The word of god walked right past them they couldn't even see him i've met people who've got actually faith in faith in a doctrine of the bible and haven't got any faith in the person they have a faith in a doctrine and knowledge of the word but have never met the word the bible says the disciples said we the word of god became flesh and we dwelt amongst them. he dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten son of god i found out that we can access the person of Jesus directly. When I died and went to heaven, I didn't find a Bible. I found Jesus. Who could give revelation and knowledge of the Word of God. Because he is the Word of God. Where am I? I don't even know where I've gone now. I get sidetracked. Let me, just, let me just try and get my head around this next one. Here, Galatians 1, 11 to 12, Paul said, My salvation did not come through the teaching of man or the learning of man, but through a revelation of Jesus Christ. How? In his glorified form. Timothy was also experiencing this. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He talked about God dwelling in an unapproachable light. He See, these guys have seen it. Do you understand? The disciples have seen it. The apostles have seen it. The members of the church have seen it nathaniel's seen and people who are just who's out there they are seeing angels open heaven they're having the power of god heaven invading earth that's that's half the story but how would you like to be caught up into heaven that's another part of the story which is called revelation so they've been taken up they've been shown the heavenly realm we get into the book of revelations john sees jesus glorified Revelations 4, 1 to 4, he sees a door open in heaven. Revelations 21, he sees a new heaven and new earth. We went on to that in the last session. The light's brighter than the sun, the river of life, the face of God, and the Spirit and, uh, Spirit and the bride say, Come, in Revelations 22, 7, and drink freely from the river of life without cost. Where is the river of life? In the new earth. In the heavenly realm. It's a river on a new earth. Where can we access it? Now. So the Lord's taken me in the Spirit to the river and drunk out of it, dived in it, swam in it, <laughs> taken me to the waterfalls, taken me into the crystal clear pools, taken me into the throne room. I've seen about, I'd say 80% of the book of Revelation by being taken there. Let me you know that might change your understanding. The seven churches... Were given to John from heaven. And whenever he spoke, he always had something good to say about the church. If you hear someone saying bad about the church all the time, they obviously haven't been to heaven. Jesus always has something good to say about it. Always. People have been hurt and feel like their ministry is not fulfilled. They get disfellowshipped, and they all get grumpy, and they all go off following their own ministry. You know what? It's got nothing to do with your ministry. I'm sick to death of hearing people talk about your ministry and your calling. The pendulum swing has gone so far out this way, I'm sick to death of hearing it. I'm going to counter it and swing it back the other way. It's got nothing to do with you. In fact, if you do get your ministry calling, you better understand it is to do what? To lay your life down and serve. If you don't work with the other fivefold, you are actually bringing disunity in the body of Christ. That's another whole teaching. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> so Thessalonians caught up. Open heaven. Jesus now, Bible says Jesus is the door. John 10, 7 and 9. Jesus said, I am the door. No man comes to the Father but through who? Jesus. Why would John the Apostle see Jesus first? Because he is the door into eternity. The Bible then says, knock, Matthew 7, 7, and the door should be opened. What door? The door of a resurrected, glorified Savior who is the door of heaven, and he's going to open up the kingdom of heaven to you. Don't wait until you die. Now, there are doors, Revelation 3, 7, and 8. He can open a door and he can shut doors. As we had Phil do right well, you better be working with God and you walk down the corridors of your life and shut some flippin' doors. He will help you shut some doors and lock them so no man can come in. So that's dead right on the, there's doors that you must shut, that you've opened. But you need to repent of that stuff so that the blood of Jesus is applied because that's the only thing to stop those, the demons from coming in. And don't give the enemy a foothold. Many of us have opened up the doors in our house. We've got doors wide open. We've got doors off the hinges. But there are doors in the heavenly realm that God wants you to open into revelations and mysteries and the knowledge of the kingdom of God. So if Jesus is the door, and Jesus actually says, wait in the gates, Proverbs 8.34, it's wait wait in the doorways. And it says in Psalm 78, verse 23 to 24, open up the doors of heaven. Lift up, you gates, that so the King of glory may come in, Psalm 24-7. Then it says, if you've got doors and gates, and Jesus is it, and he wants the doors of heaven to be opened up and us to go in there, what is another thing? Isaiah 22-24 says, open them up, but he's given keys. Matthew 16:19 19 says, God's given us the kingdom, keys of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, keys of the kingdom of heaven. Why would Jesus give us keys of the kingdom of heaven? To open up the doors of heaven. <laughs> this might seem might seem dumb. He said, knock and the door shall be opened. Do you remember that old song, Knock Knocking on Heaven's Door? How many of you are knock-knocking on Pastor's door? Knock, knocking on someone else's your neighbor's door. You know most of your problems could be solved if you actually start knocking on heaven's door and having revelation encounters with him and letting him open up the heavenly realm to you and meeting with him. He's not, you get that? You're meeting with the Messiah, meeting with the Savior, the King of Glory. You're meeting like these, Stephen did. You're meeting like Nathaniel did. You're meeting like Paul did. You're meeting like these men of old, the apostles, the prophets. They're meeting God in his glorified, resurrected, heavenly form. Jesus also holds the keys of death in Hades. I mean now that's really good to know. So when Jesus died he went down in. he ascended descended took back from Lucifer the keys of death and Hades. We are called to be priests of the Lord 1 Peter 2:9 order of Melchizedek to come in into the holy of holies. Holy of holies is not on earth, it's not in Jerusalem, it's not in your church, it's in heaven. How do we access the kingdom of heaven? kingdom of heaven is within you, so therefore that kingdom is where? Not a million miles out in outer space, it's right there. Jesus walked through the wall. His kingdom was so close, you could touch it. How quickly can you enter the kingdom of heaven? In a split second. Yeah, I can go there quite quickly. citizens of heaven, so we're to seek first the kingdom of heaven, which I started off with. He gives us the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He tells the disciples the mystery. We become stewards of those mysteries. Therefore, God speaks in mysteries and parables, and those who seek him, he will understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, which is not of this world. But he wants to come and dwell on you, that you become a walking, living epistle The kingdom of God has been established in you. And the more and more you know of that kingdom, the more and more you know you're not of this world, that you're sojourning, you're passing through. Your citizenship is in heaven. If you're a citizen of heaven, how many know you've got a passport to heaven? I'm a citizen of New Zealand. I can travel pretty near anywhere in the world because no one wants to fight us, kill us, or blow us up. Americans can go to most countries, but they're getting more and more limited because they will try and kill you and blow you up. The Brits are getting the same thing. Getting, the English are getting the same place. Like the Americans, they're getting hated by nations because they've gone to war against some of this evil. So therefore, their citizenship stops them. They have to get visas and passports and stuff to get in. If you're a citizen of heaven, how many know you have access to heaven? No visa. The blood of Jesus all over my passport. Written. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. He's my heavenly Father. He sits upon a throne. He's glorified. He's in the highest heavens. I have absolute access to where He lives. And He will rent over the heavens and come down. He will manifest His presence and come in here. I've watched Him do that. I've watched Him rip open the heavens. Often I see angels and, and, the, and the heavenly hosts coming first before and preparing the way. And I've watched Him walk into a room, walk up to someone and walk straight into them and be instantly healed. So he will come. He will come to earth. But he's in the highest heavens. <laughs> he, he, he wants you to access that. We're sons of God, sons of light, we're to be transformed by looking at him. Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 14 to 15, she prayed and fasted and she came into what? A position because Vashti, the queen, would not honor her own husband. She lost her, she lost her queen, her throne. Esther is then replaced, becomes the new queen. That's a real good warning about marriage, isn't it? When you come to Jesus, there's no longer male or female in Christ, but he does not do that in marriage. Male, the husband is the head of the wife. Don't you dare translate the teaching that we're all now one in Christ, which is salvation, and translate it to the marriage. Anyhow, you can throw that one into the can of worms. <laughs> Esther 5, 1 to 3. Esther comes into what? In to see the king, Her husband. He extends his golden scepter towards her. She touches it. He says, you can have up to half the kingdom. Well, Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says, we can have the whole kingdom. All authority, all power is given by who? Christ. So when you come into the King of kings and the Lord of lords into his throne room, he's seated in the manifest Shekinah glory and the radiance and the splendor, And he's got a scepter. Do you realize he's got a scepter? It's golden. He extends that to you. How many of you like to get some authority and power? Do you realize authority and power does not come from man? Man abuses his position, but that authority comes from God. And if you're under authority, you actually carry authority, but you have to be given it. And you have to know how to submit to it. Many people abuse authority by using the word to try and control and manipulate and dominate people out of fear. If you have to use your positional authority to rule, then you've got no idea of relational authority. People follow you out of the fact that you carry maturity, not because of your title or position. People want positions so that people will follow them and obey them. The person truly who understands people who are mature will see maturity, not based upon title, but based upon the maturity of the kingdom of God that's been spoken out of their spirit, because out of their mouth comes the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. People want to follow people who know God. True leaders have followers. Not because they've got a title, because they've got it on their card or on their office door. They've followed people because that person is a leader. One guy said, how do we have revival in the church? I said, fire all the pastors. He said, what? I said, fire the whole lot of them and tell them that they can come back tomorrow and work without a salary and we'll see who comes back. I said, I haven't been on salary for 30 years. I can't not not do this. I have to do this because I'm called. But if it's become your job and your security, that's the reason why you're doing it, you should fire yourself real quickly and go and find a job. We're pumping kids out of Bible schools where 95% of them will never get a job in the church. We should never put them through three years of Bible school. We should have told them up front, you're not going to make it. Learn the Bible. Come along and do correspondence stuff. Come along and do School of the Bible after work. Keep your day job don't you dare destroy your CV and your job. I've got tons of kids right now that are literally leaving their jobs and profession, running off to schools. And I'm telling you what, I feel absolutely gutted because 90% of these kids have got no jobs when they come out. If you're going to father them, you better give them a job. You don't dare train them in a school and then dump them out on the no, without a job. If you're going to make sure... Bible schools... Oh no. I've got kids. You know, it's hard to get a job out there right now. People are working three jobs to get and getting paid for one. They're doing three people's work. I mean, jobs are like hens' teeth out there, and these poor kids are killing and destroying, not even finishing off their courses, not even finishing off their, their degree, trying to save the world, trying to take seven mountains and become sons and daughters or whatever. And I'm thinking, you kids better just stay at home and finish your job and 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 finish off your degree, but please. How did I get onto that too? Where are we? Esther, authority, throne, scepter, all authority. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authorities that can make disciples. We're supposed to put on the full armor of light. Romans chapter 13, tw- 12 to 14. The word of the glory is in the word of God. We are to glorify our, our God in our bodies. We're to glorify Him in our obedience, a liberality, a contribution to the poor. We're looking for a heavenly home. the whole basis of everything that's going on is that we are literally doing seeking the kingdom of heaven when you come into the kingdom of heaven what does it look like river of life god says the spirit and the bride can come and drink from it when you get there how many know you don't need to you're already there why would the spirit of god and the bride how many believe they're part of the bride anyone here think they're part of the bride of christ some of you're not even sure so what the Spirit and the Bride say, come and drink now where? In heaven on the river of life. There's a scepter. There's a throne. How we know that God is also a God of war? War axe, war club, arrows, righteousness, destroying angels, chariots of fire. How would you like to let God in, cover you and clothe you in the full armor of life? How would you like to get him to put the sword of the Spirit in your hands? How do you know that Ezekiel went up there and got scrolls and messages and downloads and he was told to eat them? How do you know how would you like to go up and get plans and visions and purposes from God? Calling, anointing, impartation. How would you like to stand there and have the fire of God put in your hands or put the radiant globes of heaven put in your hands where you would literally touching into millions and thousands of volts that when you lay hands upon the sick they're healed? How would you like to get impartation from God and not some person running around trying to give impartation to you instead of lying on people's graves trying to get... Oh, dear Lord, it's, a, it's another mental, mucked-up mess. A amount of people trying to lie on Smith's Wigglesworth's grave to get his anointing based upon one obscure scripture about how they rolled down and touched Elijah's bones and came back to life and mantles that are coming off. You better. You, I have people say, pray for me. I want an impartation from you. I so say, you just leave me alone. You're not taking my mantle and you're not taking my impartation. You get it from God. I've seen the mad, insane, corrupted, stupid, nut house stuff out there on the planet. You know who's anointing you? God. Get it from God. There's no shortcuts. Stop messing around trying to rip someone else's mantle, someone else's anointing and doing the shortcut. You get it from God. There is a price behind it. You pay for it. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness and tested by the devil. And then he came out in the power. You want to come out in the power? You're going to go in the wilderness, you're going to go in the testings, and you're going to go through the fire. And if you don't understand that, you will know nothing about the ancient ways of God preparing people for ministry. If you have no idea of the high fire and the God actually dealing with you and sorting you out, you have no idea. If you don't walk with a limp, have your head chopped off and your heart pumped out of your chest and basically been killed by ministry, I don't trust you. If you haven't been hurt, killed, messed up by the body of Christ, I don't trust you. We've got this instant, let's get the anointing, let's get the impartation, let's get the power. Read the Bible. Joseph was thrown in the pit, despised by his own brothers, nearly killed and sold as a slave. He then was accused by a woman of committing adultery with him. Chucked in a blinking jail, and, and at the end of it, he paid a high price. Every single one of these men of God paid a high price. Every one of them went into wilderness trials and testing. And if you think that's the devil, you got another thing coming. Jesus himself went into it. Are you a follower of Jesus? He was tested by the devil in all things, he went into the wilderness. He was full of the Spirit and came out in the power. So you think you are not? You think everything's just of the devil? God allows things to actually. Is there anything in me? Because I tell you what, if you don't get it sorted early in the in your Christian life, when you get high and lifted up and, you, and your train fills the temple, I tell you what, the enemy just waits. He goes, I see that, and I'm going to get you. Gold girls glory well nowadays it's boys too but gold girls and glory something's going to get you the more anointed you get the more your vessel's going to be tested are you going to get proud and arrogant about you and want to have your name and lights my bible says we must decrease he increases we decrease everyone wants to have their ministry and name and lights i thank god people remember me as the jellyfish man I've tried 33 years not to put my name on anywhere. We must decrease. Everyone's trying to build their ministry. Jesus said, build the church. Whose ministry are you trying to build, yours or the church? The glory. The gold. Well, you can take the money. I've talked to God about it. Boys selling this, that, the next. Revelation, prophecy, teaching, music. God said they have the reward. They forfeit anything in eternity. How would you like to store your riches in heaven? Where the rust, the thief, the moth, the tax man can't get. And a barbecue won't steal, but it's fine. What's gonna happen? Store your riches where? in heaven. Did Jesus, Paul, the apostles, or any of the great songwriters of the Psalms sell a thing? No. Did God deal with people who did? Yes, he did. How many have heard of Balaam? New Testament warns, the New Testament church, the book of Revelations, beware of the teachings of Balaam and Balak. What did Balaam do? He was offered by the king of Moab Riches beyond comprehension to come and curse Israel. Is that right? What happened to a donkey that was actually check checking um this boy out on his back? He smashes himself into the side of the, 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 the road and basically stops. And the stupid prophet is beating this donkey, you stupid donkey. God opens the mouth of the donkey, says, didn't you see the angel with a sword drawn about to kill us? God opens the eyes of the prophet to see an angel with a sword drawn about to rip both of the heads off. Now, you think that would be enough to stop the man? And you say, the well, way you're going's not right. That donkey just saved your life. Check it out, son. Then he goes, I haven't heard all that. Should I, can I still pass? The angel and the donkey must have gone, Dumb and dumber. (laughs) Yes, you surely may pass. He goes up there to try and curse Israel. He can't. But he becomes a stumbling block because what he does actually releases sin in the camp. Next chapter, you talked about it. Next chapter, Balaam is dead. Mighty prophet, bye-bye, gone. How many have heard of a guy called Naaman? He was a, what, had leprosy, didn't he? How many have heard of a guy called Gehazi? We have Elijah, Elijah, and Gehazi. Remember, Elijah, Elijah says, dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Oh, I'm healed. Here, money. No, no, no. prophet says, no, we're not taking money for the miracle. We're on our way. But the disciple, the young prophet, disappears back and says, Well, my master's had a change of mind here. <laughs> we might need a little bit for food. You know, a few pieces of gold or silver wouldn't quite harm. So he goes and tucks that. As he comes back he said, Didn't you think I saw you when you put that under your camel under your blah blah blah? The leprosy was upon name is upon you. How many know there's some severe warnings? People hate me when I talk about this because everyone's trying to sell their book, tape, or DVD and trying to flog it off for money. Is your job to reach the world. Therefore, why don't you give it away like Jesus said, freely receive, freely give. If you really want everyone to know what you've got, why don't you just give it away? Free podcast, free teaching, free, free revelations, free, free, free. One guy said to me, God, I can make a lot of money off you, son. I can buy your stuff for a buck and sell it for twenty. I said, Yes, you can, and you'll stand before God for it. <laughs> I've had three men I know of pay off their houses off my testimony. I still rent. Anyone else still rent out there in the midst of humanity? Still do not own their own home. Three of you are honest enough to say you don't and you're still renting? <laughs> Where is my home? Heaven. When I die, what kind of home will I get? Oh, this is another another whole deal. This is another whole deal. Yep. It's another whole deal. How many have heard in the Bible? I'm nearly finished. This you're going to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Do you not know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, what's your earthly tent? It's torn down my body we have a building from god a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens what's god going to clothe us with heavenly body heavenly house heavenly temple so you can pull this temple down in three days a- do you realize that god doesn't sleep or slumber just a thought god doesn't sleep How many of you sleep? How many need a bed and a house to sleep in? How many know if God doesn't sleep or slumber? What do you need a house for? Just a thought. I'm just going to throw these things into your head. Well, your treasure is where your heart is. You realize that most people are so earthly-minded that they haven't conceived what God has prepared for them. So if your treasure is in your house or your car, or your possessions, or this world, and the things of this world are passing away, and the love of the Father's not in it, why would God be even worried about giving you a... G- I have some people say, did you see your golden house on Golden Boulevard? I thought, I don't even like houses. I'm an outdoor man. I'd rather be outside the entire time. If I'm not going to sleep or slumber, why would I want to be in a house watering golden plants on Golden Boulevard? But if that's what you've lived for in this entire world is basically your house and you want a bigger house and a more glorified house, that's where your treasure is. He may even give you the desires of your heart and you'll have no clue really what it's all about. I have other people say, did you see people up there? I thought I'd keep getting this. I said, God, what's all that about? He said, well, because their heart is in the people that have died, and the only reason why they want to go to heaven is to be reunited with the ones that they love. That's interesting. He said, their heart is in other people's hands, and they can't wait to die to be with them. Then some people say, do you see animals? I got sick to death of hearing about animals. And I said, God, why are they talking about animals? He said, because they put their heart in their animal, and if their animal didn't make it to heaven, they're not going to go. They don't want to go there. <laughs> They've been so hurt by human beings and so hurt by the world that they put their entire heart in that little puppy or that little cat or dog, and when, when whatever his name, d- Fifi died or whatever, that's where their heart is. I've seen people who've been married for many years, and when the husband or wife dies. A few weeks later or a few months later, the other person dies. They can't live without them. I have people asking me about the buildings, about other people, about family members, about animals. And I'm thinking to myself, who cares? If you've seen Jesus, do you realize if that is, you're married to him and he's your first love and he's got your heart, everything else is just fading into insignificance. He rides the heavens. He's continued to create. Why well, wanna sit there on Golden Boulevard with my little pet and my mum when I could actually be right where this, the King of Glory is, who's actually riding the heavens and uses the winds of the uh, winds of the heavens to move. He moves at the speed of light, such pure light that he could literally go from one end of the universe in a split second. And he is creating, and he has continued to create. How would you like to be around the creator of the heavens and you? you know, oh, I'm thinking. I want to be around you. I want to be so around you. Then I saw people of different age up in heaven—some young, some old. I saw some people who were so old. They, but when I looked closely at them, they were—it was different from being old. It was like looking into ancient. And I said, "What's that?" He said, "Spiritual maturity." He said, what happens here, the level of maturity they have formed here in their spirit here is reflected in their heavenly bodies in, in eternity. And that's why there are elders around the throne. Not a Mormon with a badge on his flipping shirt. A true elder that actually know what it is to come into the manifest presence of the glory of God, the ancient of days. They have allowed their spirits to go deep, cause unto deep. They've allowed the working of God to get so much that they want nothing but Him. Not what they do not their works. Otherwise, you're performing with performance oriented acceptance. You can be performing a ministry to literally try and get numbers of people saved or stars in heaven or little brownie points. It's all about none of that. You will get rewards, but if you're working for the rewards, you still haven't come to a place of rest in Him. You're still striving after performance. Is this helping Any? There's mountains, rivers, fields, new earths, new heavens. You can move at the speed of light. You ride the winds, move in chariots. He moves in chariots across the heavens. You know where I want to be? I want to be with him. And I will not be bored. There might be a lot of people sitting in their golden houses, happy campus. It might take you a thousand years because you get sick of your house, that you might want to think there's more. You will grow in maturity in the heavenly realm. But the rate will be like one day, it will be like a thousand years. We're here, in the spirit one day in the kingdom of heaven could literally move you into a greater level of maturity. How you live here affects eternity. How you grow in the knowledge of God here affects eternity. You still will grow, but the time space will take longer because of the sheer fact you now see him face to face. grow faster here there most people when i died and i stood before god i thought i've done nothing in the light of eternity i've lived a self-centered life i've helped a few old ladies across the street put some money in the red cross i've gone to church i've been a good person blah 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 i've done nothing of eternal significance nothing i'm a dead man walking Bible says some of them received the dead back to get a better resurrection. I thank God I can get a better better resurrection. I said to God, you love me so much. You see, that's right. No matter what you do in ministry, absolutely will not change the love I had for you when you died and had done nothing. I cannot improve God's love or manifest presence or glory or access to the throne room by what I do i done absolutely nothing but pray in an ambulance say, God, forgive me, and I went to heaven. I saw the glory, the love, the peace. I cannot increase that by any ministry or anything I do. That brings a place of rest into me. I don't have to be doing anything. The obedient enter the rest. They come into the Sabbath rest. Most people are striving and performing and still trying to earn access and please God. If you haven't come to the knowledge of the Father heart of God and that he loves you no matter what you do, you will still be striving. And there's millions of people in ministry that are striving and burning out and blowing up. They cannot walk away from it. They just cannot do nothing. You realize I can do absolutely nothing. Absolutely happy, not condemned, not freaking out. I can shut my laptop up and stop my ministry in two seconds. I have no secretary, built no ministry, and basically it's just me. I just shut the thing. It's all over. I'm trying to see the firefall come into the local church, so I'm quite happy to shut. I am sick to death of itinerant ministry. It's the most stupidest, dumbest ministry on the planet. We've got the entire body of Christ running around like chooks with their head chopped off, running around as hirelings, trying to be itinerant prophets, itinerant pastors, itinerant preachers, itinerant whatever. If we actually got it all in one place and everyone stopped still, we'd actually have something called revival. Don't you love me? My wife does. No more questions. No, I could go to them. I could go for hours. So if you if you all want to go home, go home. It's t- ten past nine. Any quick questions, or you can just pack up and go. Wouldn't bother me. Who's first? Girls first, and the boys. Go ahead. Yep. That's right. Okay, so you can meet a person that you saw as a child, you may not see them for 40 years. How many bumped into schoolmates you haven't seen for 40 years? The outwards change, but when you step there for a split second, you go, oh my God, that's you. The true spirit of a person doesn't change. Okay, it, understand, there's no marriage in heaven, which is no proclamation. It looks like there's no way you can produce more children, okay? If love is true, it's eternal. How many of you have got capacity to love a lot of people? Come on. How many love m- not just your wife and your children, but you've got enough love coming from God and you that you could love heaps of people? So, if there was genuine love that took place on earth, and you want to hang around them on earth, and it's not just a sham or a, a scam, and then you're saying, oh, yes, dear, I love you, and, and yes, we're all you know, lovey dovey, when I mean, it's all a load of. True love will remain into eternity. It's eternal love. So, I love my wife. I'm getting deeper in love with her through the next, through the, I've been 26 years with her. I'm more in love with her than when I married her because it was just puppy love and stupid and didn't have a clue about being tested and fire and all the other stuff, you know, (laughs) fatuation, all the other. You eventually get all that stuff sorted out and you find out you either love the person or you don't. When you got that thing going, that is what's going to go into eternity, true love. True love is tested with fire. True love is tested through the furnace. True love is tested through when all hell breaks loose. True love with Jesus is exactly the same. That's why the disciples had difficulty following him because whenever they got tested and they were, and Jesus made it not easy for them to be followers of him and they really were in love with him. I'm in love with Jesus way more than my wife or any other human being on the planet. Not one of you people can come anywhere near, nothing can come anywhere near him. But you can live out of your ministry and love your ministry or love your car or love your, someone else. You can have your whole heart In ministry, people, animals, jobs, children. I took that out 26 years ago when I had a revelation of the marriage. My heart is not in my children, in my wife, or in ministry, or in what I do. My heart is in heaven. When I get there, and I don't have to wait till I get there because I am there. (laughs) And he's here, and we're here. And he's a split second away, and I could just shut you all out and go into his presence right now. No one need to lay hands upon me. I could get slain in the Spirit with any one of you touching me. I could go into visions and revelations and prophesying over me or speaking to me or going, more Lord, or laying hands upon me or trying to push me over. I could get all that without any one of you touching me because I've learned how to access the throne room of God, and I've been doing that for a long, 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 long time. but do I need my brethren? Of course I do. But can I live without them? If it was just me and Jesus, I'll be a happy camper. I could man a lighthouse. Paul said, the reason why I'm here is for your benefit, not for mine. I'm not here for you. I'm not, I, I don't want to be here. I, I can, I've come to what Paul said years ago. I'd rather not be here. I don't want to be here. Well, I do go. I go in the spirit there. I'm just waiting for the day that the whole deal's dealt with. Either someone's chopped my head off, or I've died of old age, or I've got raptured. I don't care how I get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going. I'm going. I'm. I'm there. But if we don't have that encounter now, we are going to be desperately in trouble because our heart is so mucked up. I had a woman come to me, good friend of mine. And she said, my, her husband died. We went and laid hands on him for four days to try and bring him back from the dead. She said, after four days, I'm not praying for him because I've seen people come back from the dead. I said, oh, after four days, I'm not going to pray anymore for, for, for your husband, for John. Three teenage girls. This guy shouldn't have died, but he died. He was Delirious Band's uncle. of the. And uh, he, he was up in Switzerland and, and didn't realise he had a terrible heart condition. He died up in the Alps. My best friend, who was a ski instructor and a pastor up there, Watch him die in front of him unless you watch the spirit leave his body. We'd put him into the Swiss, Swiss hospital, went and laid hands upon him. I arrived, he died that day. F- they brought him out of the freezer. Our hands would get warm up the cold body until the flesh literally became warm. You've got to pray for a dead person for four days. You'll find out what it's like. Mother, the wife came out, the kids came out. Terrible. I mean, we want to see this guy come back. He doesn't come back. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this dear wife, she was devastated. She couldn't get over the grief. And I said, She came, you said, Ian, can you pray for me? So I said, God, what? He said, She's got to get her heart back from a husband who's in heaven right now. I told her, she nearly hit me. I said, Your heart is in, your, in John. God told me that. You just do whatever. I love you, you need to get your heart back. Your husband's in heaven, get your heart back. She went, she went to sleep, she had a dream that night. She saw herself dying, coming out of her body, coming into heaven, running straight past Jesus and running straight to her husband's arms. Who did she run past? Straight past Jesus, straight into her husband's arms because that's what she wanted to go to heaven for, the person she loved. She came out of the dream and said, oh, my God. God, I'm so sorry. John's in heaven. I get my heart back from John. I know he's there. I know one day I'll see him. I get my heart back. She told no one this. She came along to a meeting that Sunday, and a prophet from the States and his wife were there. And the prophet looked and said, you, young lady, stand up. Honey, can you come over here? told his wife to take out the wedding ring off his wife's hand, got her hand and stuck the wedding ring on her hand said, God's told me you're married to him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. She's since been remarried. God healed her heart right there on the spot and saw it and wanted to confirm it, that she'd got her heart back from John and is now going to live. Some people can't live. Kids go, kid dies, grief, can't get over it. The heart of the mother was in the child. That's why through that grief, they end up talking to mediums and clairvoyants, trying to cross over to find out whether they're there. It's out of grief, the en- enemy comes in through grief because where your heart is is where your treasure is. So the enemy's making sure he will come in on the grief and the pain and the suffering and the hurt and try and actually hammer down on that and destroy you. Where is your heart? End of story. Thank you very much, Pastor Phil.